I'm Afshin Rutansi, and welcome back to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from the UAE on the second anniversary of the beginning of Russia's defense of the people of what was eastern Ukraine, subject to ethnic cleansing after the US-EU-UK-backed Maidan coup in 2014. It's also been a week when the USA again vetoed a UN Security Council resolution to end the NATO nation-armed genocide in Gaza. And if there is one publication that is synonymous with exposing global war crimes, it is WikiLeaks, the subject of an appeal in a London court this week. All our interviews with its founder, Julian Assange, before his torture by British authorities in London, are available on our Rumble channel. Joining me from the Caribbean is friend and supporter of Julian Assange, legendary Pink Floyd frontman, Roger Waters. Roger, thanks so much for uh, coming on. It's a sad time since uh, I think we met in, in person. So many of Assange's supporters have have died, his mentor uh, Gavin McFadgen, Vivian Westwood, most recently our friend uh, John Pilger. Your reaction to uh, this week's judgment in London, or non-judgment in London? Well, yeah, we don't know about We don't know if there's going to be any kind of a judgment. We, we, we wait to see. I've been following the proceedings as closely as I can, uh, given that it's in a tiny courtroom in that huge building, court number five, it's the smallest courtroom they've got. And I think there's only 15 people from the public allowed in. Thank goodness one of them is Craig Murray, who is writing very detailed reports, the one I read yesterday. And uh, the Assange um, team have been texting somehow. Obviously the Assange, Assange's defense, Mr. Fitzgerald and others have made a compelling case um, but then they always do make a compelling case. None of these hearings should last more than five minutes. You know, you should go in and say, obviously he's not guilty of any crime. Let the prisoner go. You know, that, and that would be the end of it. But unfortunately, these people don't believe in the rule of law. They absolutely don't. They believe in the ruling class and what the ruling class, and they believe they are servants of the ruling class and they will do whatever they are told. And that's in your introduction just now, you're talking about Gaza and, and, and what's going on there and so on and so forth. But it is becoming more and more transparent to we, the people of this beautiful planet that we call home, that they are full of the ruling classes, you know, obviously including Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer in the UK and Biden and Blinken and Victoria Nuland, blah, blah, blah. The list is endless. Um, and the people of the world are making their feelings known. And it's making international, it's making it here in Dubai. I mean, there's a huge thing here, Julian Assange in the newspaper. And uh, belatedly, even some of those newspapers in, uh, in Britain, which, uh, according to the UN Special Rapporteur on Torture, Niels Meltzer, contributed to the psychological, uh, the former UN Rapporteur, contributed to his mental torture. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure there's nothing tricky about the fact that he's not in court, that, that he, he has said he is too unwell to attend court and too unwell psychologically, even to try and watch the proceedings on closed-circuit TV. And if you think it's, it's the highest security prison in England, he's been locked up in solitary confinement for five years, and he has committed no crime save one small bail infringement that carries a 
a, a term of less than one year, which is uh, 15 times over already. I mean, the whole, it's completely insane. But the, the law thing as well, we're being hit from several sides. Julian's case, obviously, is one. But there's also now, if, if you're watching closely what's happening at the ICJ now, where country after country after country after country is coming in and condemning the Zionist entity, entity the state of Israel, for its genocide of the indigenous people of Palestine. I.e., all the river from the all the land from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, that was called Palestine before 1947-48, okay. and it still is in our hearts, in all of our hearts, it's still Palestine. And they and the Zionist entity, the State of Israel, had a go at trying to administer a bit of it or trying to claim some of it, and they have effed it up in a huge way. And the whole world is now saying, no, you, Israel, are a failed state. You have failed to live up to the basic requirements of being human beings, and we condemn you for it. And they are now queuing up. Thank goodness for the lead that the wonderful South Africans gave us. And thank goodness for the support that is now coming from the rest of the world. I saw my friend Lula, who I met during my tour. What a lovely fella. And Gustavo Petro as well from Colombia. And, and, and. They're pouring out of the woodwork now to condemn, and quite rightly. So, so what's going to happen, Advin? I mean, when we were, well, particularly when I was a young man, I looked forward to a bright, future where we learned the lessons of the First and Second World Wars and realized that we had to share this planet, that we had to use the United Nations for diplomacy, not for conquest, not for hegemony, not for increasing our share of the cake, not for making bigger and bigger empires, for cooperation one with another. Britain abstained. Britain abstained. Britain abstained. Well, I dare say, because it's I mean, it's true. This is this is exactly what the Russians have been saying to us. This is what Putin has been saying since Munich 2007, when he stood in front of the microphone and said, we've got to talk to one another. We have to start diplomatic relations because we have to guarantee one another's sovereign security. And he tried to say this to the Americans, and they told him to shut up and F off. That's where the whole Ukraine thing started. 2007. Okay. 17 years ago. Well, I mean, clearly, clearly, as, as you imply, I mean, yeah, Israel, the most dangerous place for Jewish people to, to live, clearly in the, in the world now, uh, I suppose, given many see it as a failed uh, state. But back to Julian then, what was he like in September? I mean, this was just ahead of your tour or amidst your world tour which uh, in which you raised the subjects of Gaza and Julian Assange worldwide how was Julian Assange then because I saw pictures of you leaving uh, so-called Britain's Guantanamo in uh, London Belmarsh and you looked ashen-faced uh, and I think everyone was shocked by how shocked you appeared to be well that was at the end of September you know so it's a few months ago now but I was shocked you go into that huge room and you see 
and it's full of little tables and with colored chairs. And it wasn't until I'd been in there for some time, I thought, oh my goodness, the prisoners all sit in red chairs and their guests sit in blue chairs rather. And when it was time for us to leave, they sort of didn't blow a whistle quite, but suddenly the room was full of uniforms and they sort of ushered us into a queue. And suddenly there were a room full of empty blue seats, a long queue of people waiting to leave, and all the prisoners were sitting in their red seats, motionless. None of them is allowed to move a muscle until all the visitors have left. And it was emotionally very crippling, I have to say. I mean, imagine being locked up in solitary confinement for five years, particularly if you've never committed a crime. I mean, it's beyond all imagination. So we now long, we've got over all those optimistic feelings that we had with the Attlee government after the Second World War. The post-war dream is gone, blown to smithereens by Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan and Tony Blair and blah, blah, blah. And it's now, and there are more of them coming constantly. Rishi Sunak, Keir Starmer are only two of them. They have blown our dream of a, of a future for this globe where we cooperate with one another to smithereens, and they're continuing to do it, and they will go on doing it until we, the people, stop them. And we are. We are having a proper go at it now. And you see a million people in the Yemen and a million people in the streets of Istanbul and so on, and hundreds of thousands in London, and people in Chicago, and, and truck drivers, truck drivers in Chicago with Palestinian flag flying from their trucks. You think, you know what? This is the people saying enough is enough. So will it ever get through the thick skulls, not just of these two idiot judges in London, but through the thick skulls of the Rishi Sunaks of this world? Well, one can only hope so, but we, we can't just nudge them. We have to stand up and shout and shout. I saw Yanis, who I went to visit um, Julian with in September, with Claire, what's her name? That wonderful Irish woman with a loud voice. And they were making Claire Daly. speeches. In the, what? Claire, Claire Daly. Daly. Exactly. How, this is what we need. And thank goodness we have Claire Daly and we have Yanis Varoufakis. And we have you. Both, both have been on the show. Well, yeah, but, I mean, just back to Julian Assange himself. I mean, Glenn Greenwald, yeah. who uh, runs a show also on Rumble like, like ours, as well as ours is being broadcast, said, I think he implied they have successfully destroyed the greatest journalist of our times, Julian Assange, already. They've made the example of him to the world to f make everyone frightened of ever exposing war crimes again in the way that Julian Assange did. They, job done in the sense that when he... So maybe Biden is being appealed to by congressmen that they've destroyed him completely. I mean, I, I found... I Just quickly, I mean, I know I'm interviewing you. I found him so clever, so brilliant about his uh, analysis of geopolitics. And uh, he reminded me of Gore Vidal, actually, who I interviewed before, and I noticed that was the book, the Gore Vidal book, that he was clutching when the British police went in and, and what, kidnapped him from asylum in the Ecuadorian embassy in London.
Yeah, well, let's hope that... But is that Glenn, gone when you saw him? Could he... Let's hope Glenn Greenwald was wrong and that Julian, if released, will recover from the incredible injury that the ruling class and the state have done to him. I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen him recently. But my heart breaks. It doesn't look good, obviously. I cannot believe that people purporting to represent me and you and Claire Daly and Yanis Varoufakis and all the rest of us are doing this, are committing these are the crimes. This is an open, right in the middle of the high street, the British establishment is committing a huge crime in the Royal Courts of Justice in London, as it did in front of Beretta, that disgusting woman and Jonathan Swift, the awful judge who wrote a three-page opinion after receiving 158 pages of carefully argued legal argument as to why Julian Assange should not be extradited to America in the previous, I've just threw it out. Because, you know, they all went to the same school and their orders had come down from above from the ruling class and we can't let these buggers tell the truth. The truth, good God, what are you thinking? What might happen if people were allowed to tell the truth about that? You can't have that. The empire would crumble. You haven't got an effing empire, you stupid old fool. <laughs> the empire, you know, empires are bad. They're not good things. They're really, they've always been bad things. Roger, I'll stop you there. More from the legendary Pink Floyd frontman after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with legendary Pink Floyd frontman Roger Waters. You consistently bring up the paramount importance of class. Do you think there was a certain naivety amongst these lawyers? Perhaps there's naivety at the World Court amongst some of those lawyers because they said it was plausible genocide and didn't immediately call for, a, uh, for hostilities to stop, for the mass killing to stop, which they might have been able to. Was there a certain naivety in thinking... Uh, we had Jeffrey Robertson, Casey, on a number of times on this show, that somehow they could see... Obviously, Julian Assange is innocent, uh, but the courts will somehow do their job, that there is justice in... Was there a naivety? Like, maybe some are naive about the world court? It's very naive to believe that they believe in the law. They don't. They make it entirely clear. They say, we don't care. It's exactly like Keir Starmer and Rishi Sarnak, to talk about England again, refusing to condemn the state of Israel for the genocide that is committing and has been committing since 1948 and certainly since 1967 in the occupied territories on the people of Palestine. They're just saying, that's not, no, 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 we're not going to say that. We Look, here's our book of what we're allowed to say and what we're not going to say. And we're not saying anything against Israel. John Ware, that awful, crappy film director who makes terrible propaganda films for the state of Israel, he made one for some people called the anti-campaign anti against anti-Semitism. John Ware, that panorama director, directed a film about me, claiming that I was an anti-Semite. Are you taking them to court? We invite John Ware, of course, to come on, the BBC panorama accused propagandists. 
Do you bother anymore? Um, or given, <clears throat> given, in fairness to Sunak and Starmer and the like, the BBC, Sky News, all those British uh, media operators who inhabit this, this country where the UN rapporteur said torture goes on, they're torturing Julian Assange, they call it the Israel-Hamas war. They don't call it the genocide. Well, they just lie through their teeth all the time. Israel has been lying through its teeth since day one. And the Zionists were lying through their teeth for 100, not 100 years, maybe 70 or 80 years before day one, if you take May the 10th, 1948, as day one. That's what they do. It's, entire, it's all based on lies, as repeated by Golda Meir in the mid-50s. A land with no people for a people with no land. Those kind of lies. It's just they lie and lie and lie and lie and lie. Thank goodness for normal Finkelstein people with much clearer brains than me who can think through this kind of stuff and be calm and just state the salient facts of the matter. And the salient fact, this matter, were two matters. The salient fact is that Julian Assange is not getting a fair trial. He never did. He's had three or four of them now. They have no interest in the law, the powers that be in London and Washington, and they're the ones pulling the strings. No, they have no interest in the law at all. And neither does the state of Israel. And they've said so again and again. And they're saying so even more now. Netanyahu, who came out, said, I don't give an F, a flying F what the ICJ says, or what anybody thinks, or what the morals of this senator, or oh, I couldn't care less. We're going to kill them all, and that's all there is to it, because we want their land, we've always wanted it, and we're bloody well going to get it. And we're not going to stop now. Whatever the ICJ says, we couldn't, we don't care about international law. We never did. What is wrong with you people? The, fi the final solution, as the, as the U.S. ambassador yeah, to the U.N. Uh, uh, called it. You've criticised Russia's role in Ukraine in the strongest terms at, at the Security Council. But what is the scale of Russophobia and why have some who clearly show solidarity with Palestine, show, who show solidarity with Julian Assange, compare Assange to Navalny, and WikiLeaks itself has exposed how Navalny was backed by the National Endowment for Democracy previously. Is that even declining now, the um, hysteria, Russia, Russophobia, hysteria in Britain as Western Europe realized that they're not, Zelensky's not going to win? It's pure goering, Goebbels, take your pick, you lie. The bigger the lie, I think it was Goering who said, the bigger the lie you tell, the better. But you just tell it often and often, and after a while, people will believe. People are being persuaded by the powers that be that Navalny was a Democrat and a great believer in freedom of speech. He was a Nazi. Navalny was a Nazi. Let's call a spade a spade. He marched with people this with swastikas, but then so does... Zelensky's forces. Well, obviously, the current regime in Kiev, I mean, I'm not going to say they're all Nazis to a man, but they're certainly leaning that direction, and they are certainly controlled by a right-wing lot. Are they Nazis? Yeah, probably. Well, when you say they are, maybe Zelensky's not completely, because back in March 22, 
he was trying to make peace after Istanbul. And Boris Johnson flew in and slapped his wrist and said, you can't make peace. Go out there and fight. We'll give you a few quid. We'll send you a few bombs. And said, okay, yeah, but we're going to all get killed. We don't give a about Ukraine, you fool. Just take some money off the side and see, you know, make sure that you've got a nest to run to when it's all over. But in the meantime, we're just trying to weaken Russia. We have no interest in your country or your people or there being peace anywhere in the world. We've got an empire to run. We're trying to expand our empire. And when we've taken over Russia, we're going to take over China as well. I mean, they're so infantile, actually. Because Russia and China and Iran want to uh, invade uh, Western Europe, clearly. Uh, but um, you mentioned Boris Johnson and uh, Tucker Carlson alleging that Johnson wanted a million quid for an interview with him. Johnson uh, apparently denying that uh, Tucker got this message from the Johnson people. What did, what did you make of Johnson and journalists calling Tucker Carlson a traitor for uh, interviewing Vladimir Putin, who said he wanted negotiations, which, uh, of course, Zelensky made illegal in Kiev, but presumably uh, NATO nation countries well, could well, start negotiations. I have, it, it, it engenders in me a modicum of respect for Tucker Carlson, who is now independent. And um, I thought what was interesting about it, obviously his interview with Putin was very, very good. Some of my friends who Aaron Marte, for instance, said he thought Putin went on for a bit long after the first question about giving a 25-minute long potted history of the Ukraine. Going it's what you do, actually, Roger, in interviews, I've noticed. That gambit. <laughs> well, anyway, anyway, good, good for Tucker and good for the fact that he interviewed him. And what are they talking about? The whole Russiaphobe thing has been insane from the start. During the 21 election or well, when it, whenever it was, the, the, when they were all trying to use it, you know, and when um, Hillary was kiboshing Sanders' run at the presidency, stitching him up. As exposed by Julian Assange. Well, what we do know is that it came off a hard drive. It certainly had nothing to do with Russians. There was no Russian hacking of the DNC computers going on. Everybody knows that now, but it all gets shoveled to one side. <laughs> Why would Russia, Russia want Bernie Sanders anyway elected, particularly? Exactly. It's always the same story. They only do it as a way of reducing the Overton window. So they take our minds off the fact that they, the Democrats and the Republicans in the country that I live in, the United States of America, are destroying not just the United States of America and anywhere else they can get to, but they're destroying the planet. They are doing it. And, and, and the conversation is never allowed to drift to that fact. So Russiaphobia is perfect. You always point to something. Now it's the immigrants. It's, gonna, it's the border now and about how... And, and this is usual. It's always immigrants. It's the Mexicans or the Guatemalans or the Ecuadorians or the Muslims or the Jews. Doesn't matter who it is, so long as you can divert the attention of your domestic population away from the fact that life is miserable for them. So you have to find a culprit, and that's what they do. And that's what all this is about. And that's why they hate, some of them hate Tucker Carlson for speaking to Putin. 
Putin may be many things. I don't know him. I don't know him. But he's not stupid. And he's not a monster. He just isn't. I mean, if you listen to him talk, maybe he's just pretending. And Navalny, to make a big thing about Navalny is absurd, in particularly as you're crucifying Julian Assange, who is one of the great minds of the 20th and 21st century, one of the most important human beings on this planet. We should be building statues to Julian Assange, not trying to kill him like we are. So will the post-war dream come back? I bloody well hope so, because I have children and grandchildren, and I want there to be a world for them to grow up in. Or could it be, or could it just finally, could it be wars on China and Iran? And given that your concerts sell out all around the world, is it clear that your kind of behaviour as an artist is not appreciated? How, how are you surviving the constant attacks for defending people like Julian Assange, the people of Gaza, the people of Jerusalem. How are you surviving uh, the attacks? Because you've been smeared all around the world. They've tried to cancel no, you everywhere. Frankly, Afshin, it's not comfortable, but I don't care about that. I don't care. My burden is all those children in Gaza being murdered by the effing Israelis. I, that's what makes it difficult for me to sleep at night. And every morning I wake up and my, inside my head there is this, I, I think, why are they doing this? And why are people allowing it? Why is that awful woman in the Security Council vetoing a Security Council resolution for a ceasefire? No, keep killing them. Carry on killing them. Why are they doing Why? What did they hope to gain? Well, obviously, a bigger slice of the cake. And unfortunately, that's all the United States of America is about. It's about they won't share it with their own working class, though. They want the cake just for them, for the ones who pay for the elections, and the, the ones who buy the Congress, the ones super. It's for them and them alone. And the American people are going to have to wake up and they're going to have to rebel against it. And they are going to have to have their emotional revolution where they recognize their inner capacity for empathy for Russians and Chinese and Guatemalans and Venezuelans and Mexicans and even the English. We have to feel everything for all our brothers and sisters, irrespective of their ethnicity or religion or nationality. And that is the only way forward. And that is the only way forward for the Holy Land. From the river to the sea, equal rights under international law for everyone. Well, we invite That's Linda, we, we invite Linda Thomas you. Greenfield, US envoy to the... UN Security Council on Roger Waters. Thank you. Thank you, mate. And that's it for the show. Our continued condolences to those surviving the killing in all NATO-backed wars. We'll be back on Monday with Professor Glenn Deason on his new book, The Ukraine War and the Eurasian World Order. Until then, you can keep in touch via all our social media. If it's not censored in your country, and head to our channel, Going Underground TV on Rumble.com to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you Monday.